is up, everybody, and how's it going? I'm Alex Goldstick, and you are listening to the Spring Forward Podcast. The Spring League just wrapped up its 2018 showcase, which was hosted in San Diego. The showcase is a four-day version of the Spring League that helps provide film to some of the NFL's most talented free agents left on the market. On today's episode, we're talking to one of those free agents, Austin Appleby. Austin is a quarterback with a really interesting college career, but we'll let him tell his story. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Austin Appleby is a quarterback who played at Purdue and the University of Florida. After going undrafted in 2017, he was invited to minicamp with the Dallas Cowboys and most recently was in San Diego at the Spring League Showcase last week. Austin, welcome onto the Spring Forward Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to be on here. So right off the bat, you're from Canton, Ohio, which is obviously a big deal in the football community. Um, talk about your relationship with football growing up in the town where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is located. Sure. Um, Northeast Ohio and particularly Canton. I was born and raised in North Canton, so just down the road from the Football Hall of Fame. And, you know, as we like to say here, it's uh, this is the real Friday Night Lights up in this area, football is, is everything. You know, from a very, very young age, you go to the, you go to the games and you just dream about playing on Friday nights and everything you do is about getting there one day. For me, it was about being a, a North Canton Hoover Viking. Had an opportunity to do that and play in front of, uh, you know, five to 10,000 fans every single, every single week as a high school kid was awesome. The whole town shuts down no matter where you're going and, Man, I really feel like it was an awesome experience for me, and it really served me well as I uh, played against some great competition with some great coaches and really prepared me for what was to come down the road. You mentioned your high school career briefly. I mean, the only time you've ever missed football due to injury in your whole career was your junior year of high school. You tore your ACL. Um, What was your high school football career like before and after the injury, and how did that affect your college recruitment? Um, Yeah, that... You know, I always saw it as a blessing in the skies. It was uh, it was definitely devastating when it happened. You know, going through my junior year, and I guess then that was the big year for the recruitment. It didn't start <laughs> your freshman year, your sophomore year, kind of like it does now. So we were having, I was having a decent season, was getting a lot of attention, and had my had my year taken away. I think seventh or eighth game in the, in the year, trying to run over a guy, and the guy got a little bit lower than me and cut my legs out, and my knee stuck. And, you know, unfortunately, ACL, MCL was, was gone and had to get a full reconstruction. Three days later, started that recovery process. Um, you know, it really taught me, there, there were a couple lessons there. You know, it taught me how to work, number one, to have something that you love taken away from you for the first time. You know, I was, I was devastated, like I said, but, you know, I had a decision to make. I could either feel sorry for myself or I could do everything I possibly could to get myself healthy. So we had surgery three days later. Started, you know, the the rehab and was in tears some night just from pushing it so hard. And, you know, because of that, I actually was fully cleared from a total MCL and ACL reconstruction in four months, which was unheard of to get ready for the camp time for my senior year. And I went to 18 camps my senior year. A lot of schools that had offered me and showed interest, I kind of either pulled back or held on just to, you know, they wanted to see if I was healthy. And, you know, that summer I went to, you know, fortunate enough was to play in the Elite 11. I got into that, and uh, that was awesome. Huge, great experience for me, and I still have a lot of those connections and, 
and learned a lot of those lessons from that. And then from the college camps, everywhere from Michigan all the way down to Florida and everywhere in between. And if I did good that day, they'd offer me. If not, they didn't. You know, through the whole thing, you know, I, I Purdue was the team that, regardless, that coaching staff, Coach Hope and Coach Norrell, I always am very, very gracious to them. They've said from the moment I got hurt was, you're our, you're our guy no matter what. We want you. We know what kind of player you are. We're solid with you. And at the end of the day, it came into, you know, I want to go where I'm wanted. I want to go where a team that wants to marry me, not necessarily just date me. And I appreciated them hanging with me through my tough times. So that's ultimately where I chose to go. So it was a crazy recruitment process. That injury taught me a whole lot about myself, taught me how to work, and, you know, taught me, really showed me uh, where I was supposed to end up. So, I mean, it sounds like your your college decision came a lot down, uh, you know, to loyalty and that family feeling. But as, sure. I, as I understand it, another sort of family tie that might have been plugging away with you is your dad played at Louisville, and they were also on the table. Um, so you talk a little bit about how, you know, the family ties maybe uh, impacted your decision one way or the other? Yeah, um, yeah my dad had an opportunity to play at Louisville, and, uh, you know, we were always Louisville fans, you know. Obviously, being an Ohio boy, there's no other team but Ohio State. So that's always the dream. Um, things didn't work out in that regard. But it came down to, really, Louisville and Purdue for me. Um, and, you know, my dad was, uh, he always wanted me to make my own decision. You know, he let me go through the whole process, and he would ask me what I was thinking. But no way he ever pushed me or tried to steer me in one direction or another. And, you know, when it came down to it, Purdue just felt like home. And, uh you know, it, it would have definitely been cool to go to the same school and play where my dad did. And, you know, we always talk about it. But at the end of the day, everything happens for a reason. And I think we're all very, very happy with how things turned out. Uh, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, But I think everything turned out the way it was supposed to. And I'm really happy with where I went. But definitely uh, made that decision. It was a family decision. And they were with me all the way on yeah, I think you've got a pretty cool story of your own, and we're just cracking the surface of it. Um, so when you committed to Purdue, uh, they were led by Coach Danny Hope, as you said. But by the time you redshirted your freshman year and got to play in your second season, uh, the team was led by Daryl Hazel. Um, yeah. So as I think we'll see, the business of football comes to be a theme in just your in, in your collegiate career, and, and you're just starting your pro career. Um, but what did you learn early in your college career about coaching changes and program overhaul? Sure. Um, yeah, it happened uh, within the first couple months of me being a, in college you know coach hope signed a six-year extension when i signed and then i get out there and go through my redshirt season and we win six games and go to a bowl game and Purdue decided to go in a different direction and fired him which was you know caught everybody by surprise especially me um then we brought in coach hazel and a whole new staff and uh it was total overhaul everybody was new and uh, it was a new regime, and there was a new way of doing things, and a new culture, and, you know, had to, they brought in their, their recruits and their system, and you had to start over. You know, two years and two coordinators, and, you know, you know, really it's instead of sitting there and saying, you know, feeling bad for yourself, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to com- compete. You know, you're experiencing things at a young age that most guys don't until they're you know, older in the pros, you know, to be able to, to learn a different system, to learn a different way of doing things, to have to, you know, I, when the coach came in, they started, I was, I think I was third or fourth on the depth chart immediately, just as a matter of fact. And, you know, I had to fight. 
to get myself back in a position to get on the field. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of the way that I did that. I had an opportunity to start my sophomore, my redshirt sophomore year and, uh, you know, had a good, had a good run there. So just opportunities and just the adversities to be able to continue to push yourself and control the things that you can control because college football and just football in general, you know, somebody told me a long time ago, if you're looking for fun, go play something else. The only thing that you can control is your attitude, your effort, and, you know, the way that you go about your business. And, you know, that's something I've always been able to hang my hat on is the way that I prepare. And when my opportunity comes, I'll be ready. True. And I think a lot of guys that do experience coaching change in college, um, some don't even get the opportunity to fight back for their job. So um, right. it's something that, that has become a pattern for you that I've heard about. And uh, it's certainly impressive. Now, um, Coach Hazel would be with you throughout the rest of your time at Purdue. Um, but yeah. The quarterback carousel there never really seemed to be solidly entrenched. Um, between the 2014 and 2015 seasons, though, you started 11 games, appeared in 14. Um, and as I've heard you say, you've always had to compete and win to get your playing time. Um, so what do you think this has done to your football career and mentality that you approach your craft with? This is kind of just what I said. You know, you can't count your reps, but you can make your reps count. You know, ever since even going back to, to, to youth football, you know, my freshman year of high school, everybody wanted to make me a tight end because I was a big kid and you know, my, you know, Coach Fowdy, who's my freshman coach, is the only guy that believed in me and gave me an opportunity to compete for a job to play quarterback. I was the new kid. I moved into town and, you know, they already had their guy and never been a stranger to competition. I welcome the competition. I know what I need to do to get myself ready to play from there all the way through high school, going to college, you know, getting buried on a depth chart, having to earn a job, you know, having the carousel and kind of the, the craziness that ensued in my time at Purdue to have your job taken, to not pouting and getting your job back, and then obviously moving on to Florida and continuing to have to compete and fight every single day for an opportunity. It's just kind of the way it goes. And for some reason, I've always found a way to outwork the people that I've been uh, put up against. And things have always had a, had a weird sort of way of working out. And I've always gotten my opportunity. And I feel like every time I've gotten my opportunity, I've been ready for it. So it's uh, it's going to continue on as I continue my pro career as well. So we're about to get to Florida. Um, and the lights certainly get a little bit brighter in the SEC. Um, but yeah, they do. just considering your undergraduate degree at Purdue, what do you consider your most memorable game or, or moment from your career there? Oh, there's a lot. Um I'd probably have to say the first start that I had. You know, it was going from, like I said, coming where I came from, being buried, not knowing if I was ever going to play, if I needed to leave, whatever I needed to do, but just putting my head down and committing that I'm going to work, I'm going to do everything I can possibly have to do and let everything take care of itself. And I'll never forget, you know, there was a little bit of uncertainty during the week. We were playing Illinois, um, you know, and the coach never named a starter until Friday night in the hotel. Um, you know, he told me I was starting. I had always prepared each and every week to be the starter, so it's not like, you know, he told me and I was losing my mind. I'd do everything I could possibly do, whether I'm the one or the five, to make sure I'm ready to go. So when he told me I'm getting the ball, I was just excited. You know, I was at peace, and I'll never forget, you know, he came in there and got a win on the road, and everything seemed to go right that day. And uh, just the, the jubilation that I felt with my teammates and with my family, just to have overcome where I've come from to be able to have a chance to accomplish my dream of being a starting quarterback 
in Division One in the Big Ten was really, really special, and that's a win that uh that I, that I absolutely hold near and dear to me. Um, obviously, going on the road and playing against all these awesome teams, these awesome environments was was cool. But that first one was really special to me. And one of those environments was what you mentioned before, Ohio State. Uh, what's what's yeah. it like for an Ohio kid to go back to Ohio State in a different uniform? It was it was neat. I was during my redshirt year. I didn't play. You know, but it was really, really cool to come back in, in any capacity. And, you know, this is, this is what I dreamed to play. I always wanted to come into the horseshoe. You know, they're not cheering for me necessarily. They're not cheering for us. But definitely as an Ohio kid, it was really cool to come back to Ohio State. You know, uh, definitely a little bit better. I wanted to kick their ass because they didn't take me. And I, and I always kind of have that, that, that resentment. But, uh, and I always wanted to play them, especially at Florida. I wish we would have hooked up with them in the bowl game. But, uh, Definitely, as an Ohio kid, it was a cool moment. So, as we mentioned, your your college story doesn't end there because you graduated from Purdue and were able to use your last year of eligibility at a little school in Gainesville called the University of Florida. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of guys that I've spoken to whose transfer stories don't seem as glamorous as yours, but you effectively became a free agent for your redshirt senior year. Uh, so yeah. paint us a picture of what that transfer process is like and reopening recruiting season. Mine was... Uh, uh, expedited to say the least so i played the last game which would have been thanksgiving weekend we played indiana the next uh, sunday morning walked in and, and talked to coach hazel and you know and told him that i'm graduating and wanted to explore graduate fifth year options somewhere else i got my release i wasn't allowed to go anywhere in the big 10 and it was a little bit of a different deal because of some of the recruiting rules uh, the recruiting period goes dead right around the Christmas season. So I only had two weeks to be able to to talk to teams and get something settled before it went dark until spring rolled around. So I blasted out film and reached out to every single coach I had ever come across. Probably, and we sent out tape and talked to the offices of every single school in, in college football. And uh, it was that was a wild two weeks. You know, I'll never forget, you know, being, you know, having, finding a way to connect with the Florida staff, and uh, obviously there was a need there with some of the struggles that they were going through offensively. I went up there without any visit, went up there without any sort of recruiting trip. It was kind of a, hey, you know, there's a mutual, we need each other here, and let's go make this thing happen. The only thing that Coach Mack had promised me was that I would have an opportunity to compete. And, uh, well, he, he, he was true about that. And, uh, Kind of, you know, kind of moved really, really quickly. Had some other options to go to some smaller schools, you know, maybe Mid American, you know, some Mac level schools near home, or there are some other options. But something about the University of Florida, something about going to compete with the best against the best. You know, I, I never wanted to look back and say, "Man, I wish I woulda." You know, Alex. So it had always been a dream of mine to play at a place like that, you know, it was kind of damaged goods maybe coming out of Purdue. We were probably one of the worst teams in college football and to have the adversity with all the quarterback changes. I'm, I'm definitely grateful to coach Nuss and to coach Mack for giving me the opportunity and believing in me and seeing something in me that maybe some other people didn't and giving me that opportunity to come compete. That's all I can ask for. And it, it worked out. Now there was one more quarterback change after you got to Florida uh, you started the season as a backup to Luke Del Rio. Some might recognize that name. 
Um, but you ended up starting seven of nine games you appeared in that season, uh, including leading the Gators to and then starting the SEC championship game against Alabama. Uh, we don't need to focus necessarily on what happened in that game, um, but I want to hear how you view your Florida career and the decision to transfer there as a whole because, again, transferring doesn't work out for most guys. Yeah, I mean, I came in there with, you know, a good attitude, just coming in saying I'm going to control what I can control. I'm going to compete my butt off every day. I'm going to earn the respect of my teammates first and foremost and, and let everything kind of fall into place. You know, I'm the new guy again. This isn't the first time I've gone through something like this. I got to learn a new system. I got to learn a new set of teammates. I got to learn their culture, you know, and I got to prove myself. I got to, I got to earn the respect of my teammates and prove that I'm here and I'm here to help them win before they'll ever play for me and before they'll ever, you know, accept me and, and let me be a part of their locker room. And I can say first and foremost, an unbelievable group of guys. That I got my best friends in the world there. They welcomed me with open arms and uh, made me feel right at home from day one. Um, from an on-the-field standpoint, the expectation there was such a, a breath of fresh air. Every single day, no matter what we were doing, the expectation level and the competitiveness was through the roof. Um, and it was so cool because it pushed me every single day to get better. Because if you didn't bring your A game, you were going to get your butt kicked. You were going to get exposed because of all the great players that we had there. So that was awesome. So I, I pushed, I, you know, I worked really hard to learn the system, went in the spring ball. And more or less, they already knew that Luke was going to be the starter. I found, I kind of got recruited a little bit. I'm okay saying that in a sense of I was the insurance policy. I wasn't necessarily maybe expected to start, but coach back held his word and said, you're going to have an opportunity to compete. So I went in there and competed. And, you know, they had already named Luke coming out of, coming into and out of spring ball. It was pretty much a foregone conclusion, but I had a good camp and I had earned the respect to my teammates. Um, and then going into training camp, had a really, really good summer and really feel like I turned it on and could master the system. You know, going through spring was really trying to figure it out, going through the OTA period. And then again, in training camp, going through those same plays for a third cycle, you know, really felt like I started to master it and could stop thinking and really could just start playing fast. You know, I went into the season and, you know, unfortunately, you know, Luke's one of my best friends in the world. He, he got a little bit banged up. He had a, he had a knee injury against North Texas and a shoulder deal. And, you know, it was, it, my number got called and I had been preparing for my opportunity. I got to be, you know, it was, it was a hard time going through the summer not being named a starter. It's my last year. It had to happen. So I wanted to continue playing football and, and accomplish my dreams and continue to play. But, you know, I hung with it. I continued to, to push and stay in it. And just like that, on a snap of the fingers, Appleby, you're up. And, uh, you know, that, that first game was on the road against Tennessee, and we had just begun to start our SEC schedule. So I never got a chance to necessarily get my feet wet and get a smooth transition playing against maybe some of the bunnies early. We, I went straight into the SEC schedule, and every single team we played had a top 25 defense, and we were on the road for every game but one. So it was uh, definitely the most intense, best opponents and best competition each and every week. Could never really bring my head up for air, but it was an unbelievable experience, and I feel like I held my own. And Like you said, I had an opportunity to, to win a lot of games and a lot of uh, – intense environments and uh, play for an SEC championship and then go on and, and win a bowl game. So I think uh, all in all, it really worked out and had an absolute blast and it really helped set me up for the next phase. 
Yeah, well, sports, if anything, and football especially, is about, you know, uh, running with your opportunity when your number is called. So, totally. uh, you know, especially kudos to you for doing that. I mean, you got the opportunity, uh, you know, producing the Big Ten. That's that's a big deal, too. And you're, you're playing at, at stadiums the size of, you know, Ohio State or that school up north. Um, mm-hmm. But is, is, the, uh, is the SEC championship sort of another breed of, of lights on you? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, it's the it's the biggest championship and the biggest conference in football. That was an unbelievable experience. But really, I gotta be honest. Every game kind of felt the same. Obviously, there's a lot at stake in the SEC championship. But playing on the road at Tennessee and with the hostility of that crowd, because they they hate us and, and we hate them right back. You know, going on the road to LSU, playing at Florida State. You know, even even games home games in the swamp are unbelievable every single game every single snap is absolutely grueling and if you don't bring your best each and every week each and every play you know you'll get exposed so it was just an unbelievable ride with unbelievable teammates we pushed and played winning football you know some you know the expectation of the fans sometimes uh you know they don't want it they they don't they don't enjoy how we get the wins but as long as we get the wins that's okay um, and now that's the expectation. That's what you want when you go to the University of Florida. You want the bar to be set high. That's why you go to a place like that. But uh, it was definitely an unbelievable experience. Each and every game, you know, to be able to go to these these incredible venues. Nothing's like the Swamp, though. And then obviously to win a bowl game was was really really special to cap off the year for us seniors. Now, from the swamp to Jerry World, I mean, you got your first taste of the NFL uh, with the Cowboys in May of last year. So after yeah. spending five years in two big college programs, what does the jump to the NFL feel like? Well, it was uh, the, the whole, It was really cool, for one, to be done with school. Still got another semester to go here for grad school. And uh, Mama's going to kind of see it through that I get that little piece of paper and get my graduate degree. But it was when I, you know, put it on hold to go through the the combine process and to do the pro day, and really for the first time, to truly be a pro, to not have to worry about school and really be able to do the extra stuff, work on your body, you know, do the extra stuff on the field, uh, the film room, to really truly learn the game. I think college, in a lot of ways, and I was at a really good. I was with two great coordinators, three really, Coach Nord, Coach Shoup at Purdue, taught me so much football. And then, obviously, Coach Nussmeyer and Coach Mack at Florida, being in pro-style systems that taught me things that translate straight to the NFL. So I knew how to ID a mic. I knew how to set protection. I knew how to throw hot and work side adjustments and rules in the run game. A lot of things that guys in college don't do just because of the spread system. So I really had a – I was really a step ahead in that regard. But still, with that said, it's almost like being an Algebra 1 in college, and then when you get to the professional level, they throw you straight into calc, you know, calculus. So I got I got little bits and pieces of the pro style system, and then when you get in there, they throw the whole the, the whole plate at you, as opposed to just taking nibbles. So that was definitely uh, an adjustment to be able to learn the full NFL system and all the verbiage, and be able to spit out the calls and all the adjustments that come with that. You know, that, that area of the game excites me, and I, I love it, and I love to study being a student of the game. and That's something I've always been able to hang my hat on as being the most prepared guy between my ears on that field. And, um, 
But yeah, I mean, I'll never forget the first OTA in Dallas. Uh, we're out there practicing at the Star, which if anybody has never, ever has an opportunity to get there or see it, is an unbelievable facility. And we're going through our practice, and they blow the horn, and uh, they ask us to move from one field to the other. And, and uh, Mr. Jerry Jones lands his helicopter on one of the fields, hops out, gives us a little salute, and heads off into his office and, and goes to work every day. And that's the only piece of grass on the entire field that isn't perfectly green. It's a little bit brown from where he keeps his his helicopter parked. So I knew we weren't in uh we weren't in North Canton, Ohio anymore. This was uh, definitely Jerry World. Well I guess Jerry can't have everything. You gotta have one piece of brown grass to land your helicopter on. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, as I understand it, after Dallas, you spent one more year in Gainesville, effectively living out your lease down there, which I also did in college, um, but not playing football. So, you know, you also yeah. got the chance to run the Florida scout team and helping the team install the offense. So I know you were very careful when it came to NCAA compliance, um, but it's not yeah. a story that I've heard very often about graduated quarterbacks um, coming back. So how did that opportunity to stay sharp come about for you? Yeah, I mean, Dallas ended not necessarily how I would have liked it. It was an unbelievable opportunity, and I'm really thankful for the opportunity to go there and compete. I got caught in a number situation, and, uh, you know, that's they, they signed a veteran quarterback to get a little bit of depth behind Dak Prescott, who was, was awesome to me, and I really appreciate him. And unfortunately for me, I'm the undrafted free agent, and, you know, I'm the odd man out. So uh, I was sent home. I wasn't staying in it. So in order to stay in shape, like you said, I went back to Gainesville and uh, offered to help out in any way that I could, you know, try to help tutor the young quarterbacks that I had already built relationships with. They were getting ready to step on their center, like Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask, and obviously we keep working with my man, Luke Del Rio, who was working through a injury at that time. And, yeah, I kind of just got to talk, and, you know, instead of just being around and working out with the team and running, just kind of being around, I heard something about, you know, Trent Richardson and, and, and Sims down in Alabama that they were able to practice or something like that. And I was just kind of asking if this was feasible. And, uh, you know, they kind of got to looking and talking and somehow, some way they, it was legal, you know, and I had a select number of practices that I was able to get in there and, and run the scout team, which was awesome for me because I was able to continue to, see live reps against the defense, you know, be able to go against the first team defense every single day and give them the look that they need and give them the best look possible. And it really helped me stay in it as well and get ready for any workouts or opportunities that I had during the course of that fall. So it was a, it was a win-win for sure. And I'm, uh, I'm happy it worked out. It was definitely a, it goes to show uh, kind of my nature of being as creative and creative as being as creative as possible and just finding ways to better myself, even if it's a little bit outside the box. One of the quarterbacks you would have been on campus with who perhaps filled your spot on the team after you graduated uh, was Malik Zaire, who transferred to Florida from Notre Dame, um, yep. but was with you last week in San Diego at the showcase. Um, was it a coincidence that both of you ended up at the showcase in San Diego, or was that a coordinated effort on your part? No, that was a total coincidence. That was pretty cool, looking at the flying in and looking at the listener checking in the hotel and i see malik Sayer, florida i'm like oh we got two florida boys but uh he's got a he's got a similar story as well he's had a lot of uh he's he's ridden the roller coaster as well as i have and you know he's a great dude and he's a good friend of mine and really uh really built a strong relationship with him 
over the last uh, year and a half or so. I didn't necessarily play with him. He came in right after I left. But, you know, obviously when he came, he's an Ohio boy like me. And then when he came to Florida, was able to build a relationship with him. And, you know, the sky's the limit for him. He just needs an opportunity as well. So how did you find out about and ultimately get accepted to the Spring League Showcase? I was just scrolling through Twitter. I knew about it going through, obviously, the spring. I went through the pro day process again, so I didn't go to the uh, the one that y'all had uh, months ago. But was just kind of scrolling, watching the game, and saw the showcase. Went to the site, and one thing turned to another, and said, hey, I might as well go do this thing. This would be a great opportunity for me to get some film. The last game I played was a bowl game in 2000, you know, middle, the early part of 2017. So keep staying fresh, keep bettering myself, see some live reps, and, and get the tape I need to get myself in front of the right people, the decision makers, that will ultimately, you know, give me an opportunity to, to play at the highest level. I know I can do it. And it was a great opportunity for me to show that I'm still sharp, and if anything, getting better and sharper. And you know, I'll build myself a case for them to bring me in and give me an opportunity to be a part of their football team. Now, in San Diego, you worked with Coach Terry Shea, who has been called the QB whisperer, the QB guru, whatever. And he has worked with some of the biggest names at the position in the sport. Um, yeah. What was your experience working uh, with Coach Shea like and attending the showcase as a whole? It was a dream come true. Coach Shea, I always have known about him. Just you know, he's, the, he's the original guru, as you, as you alluded to. Yeah, he's worked with so many great ones, and it was really cool to get with him and learn football at its core. You know, he had worked with some legendary coaches, you know, the, the original Bill Walsh, and to be hearing it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, from somebody that had been in those original meeting rooms and installing the plays and how to tie your eyes to your feet, some of these concepts, it was it was really, really incredible. Coach Shea is an unbelievable man. I love his demeanor. I love the way that he coached guys hard, you know, but in the same time, it was, it was encouraging. It was uplifting. It was empowering. Um, I learned so much from him in such a short amount of time. It was great getting to know him and, and being able to get feedback from him and bounce ideas off him. You know, I met him in the morning and watched the tape just on our own and try to be a sponge and learn as much as I possibly could in our short, amount of time with him and you know he's a he's a heck of a coach he's a pretty good play caller he called a uh he called a good first drive for me and he was able to score a touchdown yeah just the tools that he was able to give me to add to my tool belt so to speak um at the quarterback position and really bringing things to the light as to why we're trying to do what we're doing at the quarterback position there's a lot of what out there but he was really showing us why why do we take a five-step drop here instead of a three-step drop. You know, why do we need our good eyes on this guy? You know, all stuff that, you know, all plays and stuff that you know and you've ran before, but just being able to make it all the, all that much clearer, eliminating the gray, and he did a great job of turning it black and white. And, uh, I really do appreciate the time that he gave to us. He's an unbelievable coach and would love to work with him again. Well, and you can see that touchdown you threw uh, in the first half of that game uh, on the Spring League social media channels. To, to close this out on a non-football note, actually, uh, you're not the only athlete in your family. Your brother is at the very beginning of his professional golf career. Um, so what's the Applebee family dynamic like having two pro athletes in the household? 
Well, he'll be turning pro here hopefully in the next uh, six months to a year. He's still got another semester at Akron U where he's you know on the golf team like you mentioned. He's uh he's my not so little little brother. He's bigger than me. He's all of six five and about two fifty. Uh, that Joker is a uh, long, long off the tee, and he's got unbelievable ability. You know, once he can learn to really dial it in and, and truly learn the game and be a student of the game himself and learn how to score at a high level, the sky's the limit for him. I think he'll be, and, and, and I'm not just saying this because I'm biased, but he, he's got an opportunity to be a, a top tour pro one day if he does everything that he needs to do. So it's been really, really cool to to watch him grow and to watch him learn. I've had an opportunity to, to caddy for him a couple times, which has been awesome, you know, just to be able to hang out with your brother and go out there and, and offer any suggestions. I don't know any golf. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bad golfer. If I'm, if I'm under 90, if I'm in the eighties, I'm happy. Um, you know, but if I want to go see him, if I want to go spend time with him, he's a lot like me. He's all day, every day on the field. So if I want to go see him, I got to go find a golf course. And it's been really cool to, with him to draw the parallels between golf and quarterbacking because there are so many. You know, just being it, you know, the mental endurance to just keep taking what the defense has given you or the golf course and, you know, how to respond from a bad hole or an interception. And, you know, it's, it's really cool to just, you know, bounce stuff off of each other and continue to grow in our journeys. And, you know, I'm his biggest fan. He's mine. And it's been really cool to, to push each other and, and grow with each other over this, uh, over this process. But, uh, he's got a long way to go. So do I. And it's going to be cool to continue to follow each other. Well, yeah, it's surely interesting, and you know, maybe uh, you know when you both strike it big, inevitably he'll be able to have an NFL quarterback on his bag in a major someday soon. <laughs> be awesome! I'd love to do that. All right, well, we uh, we'll let you go. We know you're we're, you're busy. Got to get back to the X's and O's, and we know you're uh, you're always the most prepared guy out there. So um, we we're very confident it will all come together for you. And you know, we obviously hope that the Spring League Showcase can be uh, the beginning of the the pro career story. Well, I really appreciate it. it was a uh... A great experience. I, I urge anybody that's that's looking to, to get an opportunity to show what you can do and is in my situation right now, just waiting for an opportunity to go use the spring league. It was a it was a great it was a great deal. Um, you guys are awesome. I really appreciate all that you do and you know, and thank you. All right. That will bring us to the end of episode 19. Best of luck to Austin as he pursues opportunities to continue his professional football career. You can follow the Spring League on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Spring League. You can find me on Twitter at AGStick and on Instagram at Alex Goldstick. All music was provided to the Spring Forward podcast by Joshua Rosner. We'll see you next time. Later. Later.